I V M. What makes you tick, click, and stick? If you know the answer to that, you have cracked a very, very important code, the superstar code. And today I have a guest. You can consider him a maverick, from working in advertising to building entertainment brands. uh and to even being a certified chi running coach and we'll get to what this chi running is uh he has a mad obsession about things at one point of time it was tea today it's coffee and tomorrow it could be any one of you this man follows his passion to the t and helps everyone become a superstar Welcome to my show Abhijit. A great pleasure having you here. Thank you so much Vishal. Well, it's been uh, I mean we met first in 2011. Oh yeah. And I still remember you were my first chi running coach. So sure. what is chi running? Can you tell everybody that because when when I said I have learned chi running, people first thought I was giving them some kind of a gali that you know <laughs> what kind of tajai chi running. I said no no this is chi running. So what is chi running? Okay. So to answer that you mentioned this whole thing about getting into something with passion. So I discovered running more importantly I discovered that I could run after probably turning my health around we can talk about that a little later but what I discovered was there was a better way to run and normally when I get into any subject I find the normal way people do it and then the things that are not so obvious you try to hack you find absolutely, the absolutely absolutely. So I found that a lot of errors happen in running which which can cause a lot of injuries and one of them is in posture so chi running actually i was fascinated with a couple of schools of running and one of them was chi running it comes from the the chinese tai chi okay so it's really about energy flow so you can kind of use all your muscle strength and really make it happen and struggle and use your determination or you can actually use the forces of nature to help you while running so the whole idea of chi running is to align your body and the movement in such a way that you're going with the flow as opposed to against it and absolutely that gives you additional power without using absolutely. the yeah, additional yeah. energy and of course i did a couple of training lessons with you and i have to tell you that that chi running has been the secret of me even though i am not super athletic and agile but it has definitely helped me do that but before we go to the chi running topic i think that was the time you were going through a major transition in your life i think just before that you were like a balloon uh, <laughs> that's how you describe yourself i think my wife does definitely <laughs> but now you are this super fit stud with this amazing looking hair how did that transition happen okay so i guess uh like many people you know one freaked out in life uh one part bottle one part cigarette etc etc you had you had everything cigarette alcohol <laughs> that's it that's it okay. <laughs> <laughs> it started and ended there but ultimately i realized that it started having its effect on health and i was ignoring it initially but then you know as they call it blood tests tell you the picture and things like that so uh this was actually 13 odd years ago that i was told that look you have to stop and you need to do something about it so and, I, and what what you were like what 30s in your early yeah, 30s 30, yeah 30 exactly so uh i was i was told that 
all my levels were too high which include liver etc etc and i also had a condition called gout oh god that could yeah. be very painful yeah it was so uh, i actually cut down alcohol and all of that and i kept it going for a few years but gout kept persisting and i was surprised like you know hey i've cut down my alcohol i have you and know that's because of high uric acid right gout uh, yeah, is yeah, yeah yeah so it's actually a metabolic issue you know there's something in your system which is not kind of you know agreeing with whatever you're putting in so as it went along i found that i was still not approaching the body systemically and uh, so this was about 10 years ago and this is just when i set up my own company superstar which you talked about and i realized that gout kept coming back kept coming back and i kind of changed my approach to the hacking as you called it earlier and i realized that you also need to support it from a subconscious brain's perspective so while you might do a lot of things in terms of activity if your subconscious brain is not supporting it and giving you the command that it needs like the machine code language that you actually need for it to happen it's not going to happen it'll keep coming back so that's when i hacked that bit and i lost a lot of weight again uh and more importantly i think my big realization was that i could do physical things which i could never do before you know so for example i could not even run for 30 seconds on a treadmill so when i lost that weight when i felt far more lighter and more free i realized i could trek so 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 what was the change because there are a million people who suffer the same problem but what was this thing what was the code you were able to find which helped you do that okay so the subconscious brain bit which i told you about uh there was a book uh by paul mckenna who's by the way one of the you know top hypnotherapists in the world and he had a very i would honestly i used to think the title was very cheesy it was called i can make you thin all right but because as a coach that's what i do today coaching life coaching executive coaching i studied nlp which is really the whole uh, science of how do you kind of connect with New the subconscious programming. programming yes yeah. so there i realized that he was quite a you know credible figure and i said oh my god those books do seem to have some promise so actually i bought that book in one day i just turned my life around by following a lot of things for example earlier But i you never went to a doctor or all these people i mean you just had this problem and you bought this book and that's absolutely. it absolutely absolutely uh also most doctors look at it from one perspective so in fact when the warning bells were ringing and stuff like that had gone to a naturopath and things like that who was actually for the first time teaching me to look at everything holistically as opposed to the symptoms which you might get scared of but normally would people this would not be the normal reaction right i mean people who fall sick go to a doctor doctor says eat this pill eat that pill absolutely so you had already gone through that before uh very little and maybe intuitively i never kind of uh, felt that that's the right approach mm-hmm. like for example when my my cholesterol my triglycerides were way above you and know? you were 30 years old with all these problems absolutely and in fact even younger than that so initially i was prescribed statins and things like that but i think when i like i bought them and i had it for a week and i felt extremely uncomfortable and i said no i'm not going to do this and uh, so probably that was my wake up call you know uh, personally but i went to the naturopath and i found this whole approach of doing it holistically and that's where i started kind of looking at the bigger picture rather than just trying to solve it you know at a smaller compartment mm-hmm. level so when i did that whole nlp thing when i read that book Paul McKenna's book I can make you thin uh it basically got me to see everything that I was doing so for example I was unconscious eating I was doing a lot of that so maybe like a lot of people might do it while watching TV and you eat but you don't actually realize how much you're eating I used to do that while reading in fact 
one of the reasons why I used to eat was to read. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. So the one hack that I kind of you know implemented immediately was no more books on the table, and that was a massive change. And uh, so that was one. The second thing was there was a recording that came along with the book, which was a twenty-five minute recording, which I listened to every single night before sleeping. It basically relaxes you, and more importantly, it kind of keeps programming you, saying, "Hang on, uh, whatever you're wanting to do, your subconscious is also supporting you." Mm-hmm. And that I listened to for like six months. So net result of that was at that time I lost some fifteen kilos in three three months, eighteen and four. But it happened in the most natural and the healthy way. You didn't go on any crash diet. No, not at all. In fact, the best part of the Paul McCann approach, which my wife loves, is that eat whatever you want. It's just that you're doing it consciously, and because you're doing it consciously, you eat much less. So that's the net result. So that's mind hacking, huh? That's absolutely, absolutely mind hacking. Absolutely. But you know what I'm more interested in is how did you lead to that point? Because at the age of 29, you know. This is not how a normal person needs to be. Of course, in today's world, we hear of people at twenty nine getting heart attacks, so that's a different sure, extreme. Sure, sure, sure. But you know, you started off your career pretty early, and I think you have yeah. now worked with all kinds of companies. So tell me a little bit about your career itself. How did you start? You mentioned a word uh, right in the onset, which is passion. So honestly, my life has just been driven by passion. So I was very passionate about advertising. So as a consumer, let's call it that, uh, I used to get fascinated about what are these guys all about and stuff like that. So I started life in an advertising agency. And this in, was uh, how old were you? So twenty one. Twenty one. Okay. Yeah. So I was in contract advertising and I worked on brands. I was very lucky to be on brands which became turnaround brands. There was something called Philips Audio at that time, which was you know very case study winning and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I was very lucky to be a part of that, and I got fascinated with entertainment because I found that entertainment brands are live. So beyond like your static kind of you know mm-hmm. products, they are people, and you can actually kind of uh, create impressions and connections and relationships. And that brought you to the That's the right. famous Amitabh Bachchan Corporation Limited, That's ABCL. Right. Yeah, yeah. That Absolutely. was your earliest stint. Huh? That was my second stint after second stint. after the advertising bit. Yeah. So. Entertainment, brands, marketing, probably done in a way that's not done, I think has always been the thread in my but, life. But, but what caused this entire, was it stress? What, I mean, Absolutely. from 21 to 29 in nine years, you end up with all these health issues. Absolutely. What did, what went wrong? So you, 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 you nailed it. Uh, it's stress. So, you know, uh, I used to think that I used to have something called irritable bowel syndrome I had for 15 years. Uh, right from the beginning of my IBS, career. So. Yes. So I never cracked it. And in fact, I got a medical checkup done. And I remember the doctor saying that, okay, you know, we've done all this colonoscopy and discopy and all of that. I think he just needs some sat isabgul, you know. <laughs> and I was like, okay, after all this, if that's the solution, I mean, like, you know, it doesn't sound very exciting. But the fact was that ultimately all of that was getting caused by stress. See, and some people take stress physically inside differently from others. So it's how you as an individual take stress versus let's say others, you know. So as a system, I realized much later down the line and that's why my gout happened. It was actually more stress than something that I was eating or doing and things like that. So it's also how you manage that for yourself, which is very critical and it comes from that initial awareness. But, but in your case, it was just a switch, right? So basically, all this happened and you just suddenly decided that I'm reading this book and from tomorrow, I'm going to change myself. Uh, the switch was there. 
but it happened in stages so for example earlier i used to think it was food which caused it so i did a lot of work on that front but then i started realizing that it's more than food so for example the paul mckenna journey got me into the subconscious bit then i realized that maybe that's also not enough so i i suffered a personal setback about a couple of years back five years back when i lost my mother so in spite of you know doing all of this it kind of devastated me and i think i felt extremely derailed in life at that time so i realized that hang on maybe i still haven't figured out how to kind of cope with stress so i realized that it's a journey which keeps going on and you but, keep learning but, uh, you know one of the things i'm still kind of you know a little confused about that there are people who work right but this is really extreme in terms of getting all of this so was that something also happening in your personal life or this was just because of all your corporate life what caused all this you know shocking what the the source of stress yeah no so it's like this let's put it this way if uh the same stress and there are two people uh another person might just take it at 5 7 you know which is okay and i might take it at 10 so it's just that my system takes stress very differently okay so it's really about me as an individual it's not about it's not like these companies made you work 24 hours no, a day no, no, and no, no, feed no, you and no, only no, made no. you have cigarettes no, no. Because, and alcohol because uh Like I said, everything I did was with passion. So, in fact, it was on the other side, which was like extreme enjoyment. But there was a cost, right, which uh, I didn't kind of factor in at that time, and uh, one ended up paying a price. So, so I remember, you know, you talking about this code, which you then called the superstar code, yeah. and you, in fact, even named your company. So, what is this code, and how can you decode this in other people and in yourself how does a normal person figure out what is their own superstar code then okay so after my great corporate stint in life which was about 16 odd years uh, almost 10 years ago i started superstar and the name superstar comes from my very passionate belief that there's a superstar in every one of us but i said while that's nice and inspirational uh, i also realized that like i said earlier the the stimuli might be the same for people but how those people kind of respond to it can change dramatically so the superstar code is about each person's individual superstar code as opposed to there is one success formula which can work for all a lot of people used to come to me and saying that look i've tried this the other person also tried this but somehow it's not working for me and this is to bother me i so, think that's part of the problem everybody thinks that because this guy did this if keto diet is worked for him everybody wants to do keto and absolutely. if this has happened yeah. to them everybody wants to do this absolutely. without figuring out that there is yeah. a variable in you correct so it's that combination of you and the external which i find is very crucial and the superstar code is all about that so i asked three questions uh, in the superstar code it says what makes you tick firstly you know some people you might love stress and it actually is good for your health whereas maybe for me it's not so i need to keep that in mind second what makes you click click is about you and the external you know what part of you do you use to kind of make the goal work or the external environment work for you and the third thing which is a huge challenge for me is stick a lot of people go ahead and you know have that initial enthusiasm and it's a great battle but then to keep it going sustaining that is a massive challenge for a lot of people definitely for me so what makes you tick click and stick is really about discovering and implementing your superstar code and and how can people be because a lot of people give up very fast right yeah. so the sticking yeah. part is really about giving up oh absolutely and the clicking part is about implementation yeah yeah and the the first part is about 
visualization and theory absolutely which part do people really give up so here's my learning on this one firstly i think most people get their goals wrong goal setting itself absolutely is a problem. so i'll give you a simple example that i used to do in my uh, which i used to cover in my workshop which is that let's say there are three people and they have the same goal we all three want to lose 10 kilos of weight but if i ask person one and through some little bit of deep exploration you find out that the first person actually wants to do that because he wants to attract the opposite sex mm-hmm. in his life second person wants to do it because he wants to do better in his career in his work third person wants to do it because of health reasons so if you actually look at it 10 kilos of weight loss was never the goal it was those three things and the problem that happens mostly is that people are chasing a the wrong goal and b even if they do meet the goals it doesn't matter so it's like a empty goal you know and when you don't meet those goals it's even worse because you think oh my god you know i'm not good enough and things like that so a that clarity of why is i think the most important step before you get into the what and the how and i have been focusing a lot on this in my journey and and in, in your old self what did you feel worked for you uh in terms of my why so if i find that anything i do allows me to make new connections and kind of allows the passion to flow i can do anything it doesn't matter what subject it is but what do you define passion as then no so before the passion it's the connections so for example i might be working on a category i have never been exposed to before so it could be working on a company uh, the business is forklifts for example yeah i don't have a natural affinity for that subject but what i will start doing is i'll suddenly find these patterns and find excitement and wow there are ways that people are doing this and there are lots of ways they haven't even figured out and that certainly excites me so finding that that non obvious thing which i mentioned during the chi running example is what excites me that's what creates a passion for me but you know so you grew up in mumbai right uh actually i have grown up all over uh, i have grown up uh, in bahrain i did my schooling there i have grown up not in mumbai pune delhi So what got you this kida of finding this code? So what I'm really trying to understand is that sure. you know our education system doesn't encourage this. not at all. You know our corporate system doesn't encourage no. this. No. So where did this kida in you to find the clicking ticking and all these things come about? How did that happen? So a personal journey and things started kind of connecting for me. It's obviously kind of you know post facto but also seeing people struggle you know so i it's kind of so so my point is that did something happened in your childhood were you like good in sports what kind of because you know these things have to develop much early in life it's not like suddenly at 21 you know you are discovering and reading all these books who influenced you like this so okay so my life journey began probably with a lot of self reflection maybe so when i was 7 my younger brother was born he was born mentally challenged so my parents focus and attention would kind of you know go there and i think from there onwards i started kind of oh. you know tending and fending you know uh, for myself so i think from there that connecting the dots started happening so if there was something that happened that's probably at that time at age 7 at age 7 yes and that was in india or you <coughs> in bahrain that, that was actually in bahrain yeah bahrain yeah and uh, so i think from then onwards that thing of i've got to do it myself I got to figure it out myself. Was probably something. And you that, didn't want to kind of you know trouble your parents. Absolutely, I couldn't be a burden, right? Because they are already going through something, and I I think at that time I did a, I made a subconscious decision that I got to do it all this on my own, which also created, by the way, a good. This is a good question. Probably the stress. 
because it's like then who can i share that with ever you know so you've got to kind of figure so it out so you yourself. had to become almost self dependent yeah. much earlier yeah absolutely that's really kind absolutely. of absolutely okay yeah because i was wondering that you know suddenly where is it coming just, from mm-hmm. where is this coming from yeah. so your self dependence happened really early very early your passion came in but you know corporate life kind of messed that whole thing up but then you found the code which is the superstar code the corporate life didn't mess anything for me to be very honest okay. because i went through my passion journeys and in fact every so when, I, when i say mess means the health part is what i meant sure sure but even when i uh, left the corporate world and when i started superstar after a couple of months i had the worst gout attack ever 10 years ago So I then I realized that it's not about the environment it's not about you know those things it's about me and what I am doing with myself so what were your uric acid levels at that time so i've like a baseline is you're not supposed to go above 6.5 if that's kind of benchmark i was at 9.7 and that's like really really high and i was told that the only way to get this down was through medication throughout my life which by the way i never used and i still until date don't and i haven't had a gout attack touchwood um for the last eight years wow yeah so um everything like if if triglyceride is the max is supposed to be 150 i was 367 or something like that mm-hmm. sorry uh 367 was one time and then it even went up to 683 you know so some crazy crazy so, levels so then yeah what decide, i mean you could have gone back to your corporate life after you know getting back healthier so what kind of made you leave all this uh, and then start a company so i think the freedom the flexibility of uh going with your own flow and adding value the way you want to um so i think i'm a nat- i'm a natural uh i mean i like to move from one to the next i don't like to necessarily stay in one thing for 10 years and things like that which is what i think is natural with my kind of business model so because you know one thing i must tell you and i know now know you for quite a few years in your case it's almost like you know you get passionate about something and then you leave it completely like there was a time you were only doing running and running and running and then suddenly i don't see you do running and then it was tea and tea and tea and now it is coffee and coffee and coffee yep so i have no i don't no longer see any of your running stuff for example fair so um so are you passionate about running coffee or tea or is your passion somewhere else so my passion is always about discovering something discovering that i can do it discovering new facets to that subject which probably others around me are not kind of experiencing and when i reach a point where the why the question that i ask is this exciting me any more and if the question and answer comes back as no then i kind of start moving or, or, to the or next or is it because you just obsess about it so much that it you know after a point of time you've done everything right i mean you've discovered everything you had sure. to discover about coffee or tea or running and there's But, nothing okay, else so to do okay so let me so let me tell you uh, actually they're all connected for me so it's not like i've left running so for example running actually got me into keto mm-hmm. because of running there was this constant challenge that i used to have for nutrition Uh, running for marathons and things like that or how do you keep uh, the energy flowing so this is actually 5 6 years ago where i was like hang on i can do a half marathon i can do a full marathon what happens after and i used to literally crash energy wise uh, when i used to 
try and you hit the wall also on in the Chicago which marathon remember you told me about that in one of the marathons in the comrades or somewhere yeah there was a comrades yeah comrades yeah. yeah so because that was 89k versus you know the the standard 42k of a full marathon i i just wasn't managing the energy bit and also what happened was that time was i started realizing that maybe i was over dependent on sugar because you know as a runner you have these at those times energy gels and things like that and that was not natural for me as a as a source but when you're running and when you need that you kind of crazy energy so i it didn't work for me so what happened with comrades was it pushed me to figure out what could be an energy source and post comrades i got into something called paleo so i actually realized two things one is the cause of my inflammation and the gout was grains in my life in my in my uh, system so i actually cut down step by step but it happened after that and i cut down paleo which i did 6 years ago and again that now you might say i was passionate about paleo but the point is that paleo is now metamorphosized into keto ketosis which you know ketogenic everybody's talking about but paleo and keto has a lot of difference right i mean absolutely so the keto is just no carbs i mean in, in paleo you have a lot of carbs Oh uh, no no no! In fact, paleo is more protein. No, but paleo has fruits. I mean, you can have fruits in the paleo diet. So there are lots of interpretations and all okay. that. But the po- bigger point was it had a lot of protein content, which I now realize was causing stress in my body. And and uh, uric acid. Protein is a big cause of absolutely. Uric acid. So it was causing stress in my system. Hmm. So then I realized, or hang on, while I have cut out one. let's say uh, irritant which is the grain part i ha- i've actually added on something else which was causing stress so about 2 years ago i cut down the protein made it much less and now it's fat lots of vegetables and a little bit of protein and that's working for me very beautifully you know so uh, so you are now completely keto no 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 i'm not keto so in fact there's a cyclical keto let's call it that because You're see nothing keto. see like you said earlier these absolute absolutisms and oh this is what will work in life uh is dangerous to be very honest you need to take that essence and then see what works for you what doesn't work for you and you got to be honest about so that. is it also because things don't stick to you then is that you know when you talk about clicking and sticking mm-hmm. so is it also can it translate that somehow Absolutely. you do things and so my biggest challenge is stick so i have to keep figuring out a way to get excited about something and that's what i do so for example today i'm ex- very excited about fitness uh, in spite of by the way having a running injury and that's the reason why i actually stopped the marathons but uh today i'm very well, ex- if you wanted you could have hacked it and figured out how to cure now that I can. injury yeah now i can now i figured it out because i realized that the way i was training was wrong it was causing stress in the body i now know so you now say chi is bad chi running She is fantastic as a base, but I need to now support. No, no, no! I need to work with my heart rate, which I was never doing before. Oh. So what I was doing was just with enthusiasm, just keep clocking those miles. But now I realize that when I do it in sync with my heart rate, in fact, specifically heart rate variability, which is basically the recovery that your heart can do mm-hmm. after a workout. It works miracles. And the VO max two and all that. Not VO max. It's just heart rate just recovery. Heart rate. Just heart rate recovery. So now, if I were to do running uh, all over again, I would do it very differently, and that's the way that would be running two point two for me. So two point two is very important for me. Mm. So you need to keep upgrading. I have to you keep can't doing that. Keep doing the same Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Now I get it. Yeah. yeah. So how have you kept upgrading yourself then? You know, in all ways. So I mean, for me, the constant sources would be books. I'm a I'm a voracious reader, but it's not like I'm reading cover to cover. I read something and I. 
tried out, implemented uh, books, podcasts like this. By the way, I've been consuming them for a long time. Um, video, TED talks, etc., etc. So a lot of things are always stimulating me. Uh, books, TV, a lot of things. Okay. I don't know. I, I may have told this to you before, but you are a massive influencer to me, and wow. somehow <laughs> I feel that you know. Whatever you and I do are quite common. I love coffee. I love running. I'm also into teas. In fact, if you remember, I told you oh, about yeah, the monks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know how we are somehow strangely connected. I don't mm. know what you feel about. Oh, this. absolutely. So I mean, you know, I wasn't that much into tea, but when you said white monk tea, it got me thinking. And hang on, there's more to tea. You know, uh, I heard the words bulletproof coffee from you. <laughs> Many I don't know Eons ago Yeah like, eons ago You must have Bulletproof coffee And I was like I don't even drink coffee <laughs> You know forget about Bulletproof coffee So I am a sponge And I get I get that You know I mean You are a person of passion I see that So whenever a person of passion Talks about something My antenna is always up Yeah and we keep absorbing From each yeah, other yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, Absolutely so You are now completely Into bulletproof coffee And all kinds it's of It's my daily ritual uh, There will not be a day that I won't start my morning without the bulletproof. Coffee. And how do? You, what is your preparation? How do you make your bulletproof coffee? Okay, so uh, which beans? So normally I I go for organic coffee purely because uh, non-organic means some toxins could come into the beans, uh, and you're kind of mixing it with fat. So toxins and fat don't go well together. So that's the only reason for organic. So any organic bean, but so Lutoka is a good is one. Yeah, it's a yeah. good source. Uh, but any organic India now, you yeah, know, the level of quality is pretty good. Koinonia is there. There's a couple of, in fact, uh, roasters in India who are doing pretty well. Uh, good stuff. Uh, so a, I grind them fresh. So that's an important thing for me. So this, it's never stale. So I do that. Uh, I add ghee, organic ghee. Okay. And you, you never did butter. I tried butter. So, in my health journey, I'm also lactose intolerant. Ah. So while I tried this Kerrygold Irish butter, which is supposed to be grass-fed and all that, I think ultimately I realized that it still wasn't sitting well with my so, system. So you know which butter I use? I use Parsi. the Parsi ah. dairy. You mentioned this long yeah. back. Parsi I'd asked dairy. you which butter because I was in the butter quest. <laughs> I remember asking you, but I don't think honestly, except for ghee, any milk product actually works for me. Mm-hmm. So, and the third thing I use, I used to use coconut oil, but now I am using MCT oil. Yeah, I, I get my MCT from the US. There's this deodorized, you just, there's oh, no okay. smell of coconut, nothing. Okay. okay. So which one are you using? There's a, there's a company in, uh, based in Jaipur called Sharitz. Oh. Yeah. So. I must try that. I didn't know. Yeah, it's existed. pretty good. I've been having it for almost a year now, more mm-hmm. than a year. So they, it's coconut sourced. So not like palm, which is not exactly a great yeah. source. Uh, and they're doing it pretty well. So And you have it at what time in the morning? It's about like 6.37 in the and morning. And then what time do you have lunch? Directly lunch after that? 2 o'clock. Oh, that's a long... That's a so, long. My, so there's a concept which is a cyclical ketosis, which is actually driven more by the intermittent fasting. Yeah. And IF, intermi- yeah. So intermittent fasting comes from giving your body a break. To actually repair itself and kind of, you know, reset. So, uh, I do that quite religiously. So, you follow 16 hours or? It comes to around 18. 18. So, you then, 2 o'clock and then you directly have your dinner at what time then? So, I finish off everything by 7 o'clock. By 7? Yeah. And then your next meal is? Next meal is straight to the bulletproof essentially is that ability to sustain, you know. Exactly. uh, So, that's what I do. But off late since I've been traveling, I, I had to go in and out of this. But... That's exactly the routine so, I follow. So what I do, let's say I'm traveling and it's a day trip. 
I will get up half an hour earlier and I will make that bulletproof. And in fact, it really takes, I mean, it, it just makes my trip fantastic because I've had the bulletproof in the morning. The moment the client says, okay, you have to stay back. That means, oh God, I have to carry my blender, everything. I take it and I make it in the hotel in the morning, the next day. But you know, sometimes I do find bulletproof could be a little more acidic. I don't know if you ever found it acidic. Uh, I think, like I said, when I was using butter, it was more tasty, but I don't think it was as good for me as the ghee is. Okay. So with ghee, I'm feeling absolutely fine and light and things. See, my body is very fast in uh, responding. So for example, uh, a year back, because you know part of this, I said, oh, grass-fed butter's there. Why can't I have grass-fed cheese? And I started having cheese every day and I love cheese. That's my Achilles heel. That's my kryptonite or whatever. I got massive inflammation and I started putting on weight again. So, which I stopped, uh, in fact, almost a year ago. And as I have stopped, the effects have slowly, you know, uh, gone off. So, I realized that that lactose thingy is is uh, does have an effect on me. And I can't, like, take it for granted. No matter what it says about organic, grass-fed, that doesn't matter. So, those absolutes don't matter. So, you know, in your whole life now, you have done so many things. And somehow, you are able to reach a stage of mastery. In your case, I can tell you that because, you know, when it's coming to running, you go for the comrades. When it comes to, you know, ketogenic, you are bulletproof and everything. At the same level, there are people who can't even go to the gym every day, which mm. they pay 20,000 rupees as membership. Yep. Or there are people who just can't even get out of bed. Yeah. So what are these people doing wrong? So to begin with, like I said, that setting of the goal. Why am I doing it? If I'm doing it for the wrong reason, you will end up not doing it. That's number one. Second is, uh, a lot of people think that it's attitude which gets you all the way. Actually, it's behavior. So you may have that intent, let's say, but actually behavior and if you set the path for it to happen, like a no-brainer, you can actually make things happen. And when that behavior keeps repeating, they become a habit. So I've realized that a lot of people can actually solve a lot of issues like this in life just by hacking it. I don't know if, for example, uh, have you heard of, there's a behavioral scientist called BJ Fogg. Yeah. I've met him. Really? <laughs> yeah. Stanford, right? Yeah. So I have been using his tiny habits example, yeah. like ruthlessly. And in fact, all my workshops and whoever has used it, they have had some amazing successes, you know. So sh- should I talk yeah, about yeah, tiny? Talk about, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yes. tiny habits really is about, you know, you might say, I want to start meditation. But that 20 minutes every day calming your mind might seem very daunting. So what BJ Fox says is, hang on. Firstly, break it down to a micro goal, okay, which is a tiny habit. I will meditate for one minute. Okay, that's number one. So it's like a, hey, okay, one minute, yeah, fine. You know, anyone can do one minute, that kind of a thing. But what he also says, and this is what really worked for me, was anchor it to an existing strong habit already happening in your life. Okay, so for example, let's say, uh, I used to have my tea at X time in the morning and I had to write my book. Now, I, I just wasn't getting down to writing my book. Okay, what I did was, when I'm having my tea, that's going to happen regardless. Why can't I write one para while I f- drink my tea? And this is amazing because at that time, in two weeks, I finished off the entire first manuscript. And in fact, there was a withdrawal symptom because after I sent it off, I was like, now what do I do with the tea? <laughs> you know, I need something to write. <laughs> so I started writing a blog, you know. So, but the point I'm making is that it just wasn't possible for me. So people need to kind of figure out a no-brainer approach sometime to solve what they think is, oh, I need to change my mindset and my attitude. But you can actually kind of, you know, make things happen this way. 
and uh, you know when it comes to tiny habit they also talk about 21 days and all of that kind of repeating it so sure. what are the kind of habits you adopted like this using that method so like i said one was you know writing meditation. writing was writing. not a habit meditation was not a habit and today i've been meditating for at least 5 6 years and it really helps because remember i told you about the stress part so it's something that i need to do so along with my bulletproof even I'm, when i'm traveling like i'm going on an early morning flight i will take off that time and meditate i will do those 20 minutes uh every single day and you know what is my hack for meditation yeah. it's this device called the muse so you ah. put it on your head it's like a headband right right it right it connects right. to your phone and when you meditate it actually measures mm. your brain activity yeah and there are three states there is neutral calm and active mm. and your goal it's just like a game your goal is to keep it above a particular yeah, level yeah, of calm yeah. and i have been now doing it for several months and the trigger for me is this gamification nice. of kind of tracking mm. it and it has really worked for me so are you using some kind of app to track it or you're just so doing it I on your own so i used a similar thing uh there's something called heart math mm-hmm. so they had something which kind of plugs into your ear Mm-hmm. and it basically takes the heart response to stress uh-huh. and uh, this is something that dave aspri talks quite a bit mm-hmm. about it's called inner math i think uh you know something you know okay i'll remember the name yeah. but essentially it's just a clip on and it teaches you that when you breathe basically it becomes green versus blue yeah. or red or whatever you know i've seen that yeah. yeah so it's a gamified thing so even that works for me i need to make it exciting i need to make it kind of you know uh definitely work The Vishal Gondal show will be right back after this break. Did I just catch you on your way to work or did you end up pulling an all-nighter? Let me guess. You have a packed schedule for the day, the week, and probably the month and the year. That's a lot for your mind to handle, don't you think? This buzzing chaos also brings tons of negative thoughts. Am I right? Try spinning that bottle in a positive direction with me, Chetna, on the Positively Unlimited podcast every Monday on IBM Podcasts. It's time to change your life one alphabet at a time. So, so when you were doing this book, yeah, you interviewed a lot of other people also. I remember you interviewed me and you were talking about. So, what was the big challenge you saw between all the other performers who are already whether they are in corporate life or any other life in being a normal person to a superstar. So, what are the big things which people are missing? Because most of these people have their goals in place sure. and all of that, right? Sure. So, what were the things which were missing in the code? So, I studied a lot of performers successful people and i tried to figure out is there like some common pattern and things like that and and tim ferris's book is almost that right to the titan in a way so but what i did realize and that was my hypothesis is that everybody has their own formula and that came out glaringly apparent for me uh and in fact it also got me into the dangers people fall in which is blindly emulating your idol or your hero so a what i what i realize is that a you need to find your own code so the biggest uh, what i'm called the setback that you ask for people that happens is that if you don't know your own code a lot of these really successful people they're very aware of what they're all about they're aware of their strengths and they're aware of their pitfalls so if you were to ask me what is it that they get right it's that but when you're not 
that's very easy you to can't kind of fake it and i absolutely. think the problem is everybody wants to be steve jobs or everybody absolutely. wants to be elon absolutely. musk but and there's also this pressure yeah. see there's a massive pressure to be like that perform like that so you think that if i don't do that i'm a failure or it's not going to work yeah. you know so it's it's an unfortunate thing but you know in as they say the rat race gets rattier you know uh, this pressure is just going to keep increasing and increasing and but you were able to now take this idea of a superstar code and then convert it into a very successful program so you do yeah. life coaching for individuals yes. and you do coaching for companies to That's help right. them with strategy yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so what kind of experiences have you had in both these cases okay so this is a massive journey it was a two year long journey so while i was writing the book i realized that i can't leave the book as a generalization because it was probably adding to the problem that already existed outside which is that oh fine i all these 100 people have their own individual codes but what's mine <laughs> you know and and the problem i realized i'll tell you what i realized while doing workshops which used that whole learning um people can stare at the same data in their life and not necessarily connect not get that insight what i was doing in the workshop and that's because of my work my passion and the intuition that i'm able to bring to the table was to help them see the same data in a way they have never seen before and when people started telling me that i said oh my god then how will they use that in the book to actually make the difference otherwise it's just another static thing of yeah yeah there's a nice framework i'll ask these questions but i'm staring at these same pieces of data which i've always stared at in my life but somehow i have not realized it so it's that realization which also gets you to so, action so give, give an example for me to kind of understand this what do you what do you mean by looking at a data and then connecting okay uh, <clears throat> without obviously naming people because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know private journeys uh let's say there's a person who came into a superstar code workshop and i used to get them to give me data before the workshop okay the data was what you think are your strengths weaknesses uh i would get them to do a 360 degree of the people in their life the work uh, environment personal everybody to give us the same insights i would actually collate all that and actually understand that person i would also use something the psychometric tool uh, at that time to understand their natural preferences so i would use all that data to understand this person okay so there, there was a person she felt her strengths were writing her passion was writing and uh incidentally her job was in corporate communications but she wasn't using that writing which is a as skill and a passion to actually uh, help her in the job that she was doing because she would do it more let's say administratively rather than actually using it as a engine and she never connected those dots before so just to make those connections is what i felt was the big thing that happened uh, in a live environment where it's your data your uh, challenges and that's what happened in the workshops so the workshops in fact while i work with a lot of corporates initially the first few workshops were with family members and that's what actually blew my mind which is i had the first workshop was a family of you know mother father 12 year old uh, and at the end of it the mother actually said that i have been married to him for 20 years but i never realized this about him mm. and i was like whoa and this is a family talking and because of that more families came word of mouth etc etc and i was like so Whoa. you are coaching an entire family absolutely that happened and i said if this is happening in a family where i mean you uh, technically you're so close yeah, yeah. but you still don't necessarily look at that person in a way because you look at it from your filter right 
imagine in a corporate situation so a lot of conflict happens because you assume something about the other person and i remember you telling me that you even managed to do the impossible coach your ex wife right oops <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen right you know it's very okay, so difficult i have been warned and banned from talking about this but yes no yes she did reach out a uh, couple of years back but she wanted help on her business and so she said look i uh, I know you trust you and I feel you can add value and that's honestly that was the journey which happened. No but I mean the question is that how is it different coaching an individual versus coaching a company is it the same concept or you find it a, a lot different in that sense from the execution. So the complexities will just go higher with a team versus let's say an individual because an individual itself is like a challenge but then there are team dynamics. So in fact what I did with the superstar code format was after the family insight i created a team code version so that meant a people got to know each other as people and there was another part which i added which is how they fit in as a team so at the end of it they actually got a very customized solution on how that team would work as opposed to so that solution would not work for another team is is the point i'm making hmm. so so that that had kept happening for different kinds of companies and that's how the superstar code actually you know i rolled it out not just in india but in you know uh, destinations like dubai and that exposed me to a lot of multicultural you know people etc so it tested it you know in various but the places. problems are the same you Absolutely. know go, go anywhere the Absolutely. problems are largely it just gets same. maybe more complex like in a place like dubai you have different ethnicities suddenly working together and so that adds to the complexity as opposed to let's say maybe in in india but that's it the problems you're right conflict will happen because of assumptions you make about people and uh, correcting them can actually kind of you know add a lot to the solution and that's what the superstar code used to do but when it comes to implementing this right so yeah. one is theory and kind of working in a workshop but how many of them have been successfully able to implement something like this in their real companies or real life so like i said earlier sticking is the biggest challenge right so it can happen if for example the leadership is very committed and saying they take those metrics that come out of a workshop and he said how oh, these will get translated into key result areas job responsibilities so that i found is one of the, one of the easy ways so that's ways. in a corporate but as an individual how do i create a code which sticks so one of the ways is to have a coaching journey and that's where i found that if if i was a part of that let's say after you realize all that then you see the journey through that's the reason why i actually became a coach because i realized that you can't have these one off events so you need to be accountable to somebody basically so it's that's like a sports coach right you're and, through the matches and, and you're through the journey that's what we do at goki right i mean the whole idea of goki was you set a goal and then there is a health coach on the other end who you are accountable active to. partner i get it yeah and i'm totally with you on that so wherever possible that's the best way of doing it because there'll always be a gestation period of you know you you yeah you want to do it you try it out uh, 10 things will not work uh, but more importantly getting the learning from what works or didn't work is the coaching journey because then you say okay hang on why did this not work mm-hmm. so i could have just given up on ketogenic diets etc but so hang on hang on maybe it was that it was the cheese it was the, you know so something has to so, help me so how has your journey impacted people around you your family your wife etc so what has been the change in them because of what you've been doing i think i realized that you know i got into this to help others but i think the biggest thing was that when i focused on myself uh authentically or whatever actually it created far more impact outside rather than you know just trying to help somebody because people would take my example say hey, you went through this 
this gives me the confidence to do this far more and i found that that was a bigger catalyst of change than actually you know trying to do a program or whatever so for me i think just being myself living myself i think that was probably the biggest learning i had so no, i'm saying so how did that impact others like i know your wife started this passion project of being a chef yeah absolutely so how did that happen to her in that sense was it her own journey or was that some influence from what you were doing so so i mean i think it was always a passion but like i said when i do so something she was also in the corporate world i presume right true true so when let's say she sees me passionately doing something like i said it it kind of transfers right so it's that part of it which i would say if there is any uh, impact besides the active counseling which also happened uh, i'm saying that that that's the take out that hey i can do this no because what she came up with such an amazing concept Absolutely. and you know this whole idea of this kitchen which is set up every weekend right so, so tell tell me a little bit more about that whole idea oh, of what she's so, doing sarita perera that's her name so she has a dinner lab called the love fools love fools yeah, yeah. so she's dinner also lab. all about passion yeah so the love fools is about that so it's a totally the eight course curated meal i have to come for that man you I must please you must. book me up yeah <laughs> it's like a friday saturday sunday thing that happens okay uh, it's a eight course thing she decides the menu so it's not an a la carte you don't know what you're getting it keeps getting revealed course by course that's one but she gets to know where you're coming from before so for example she knows what your loves are passions are and how do you t- communicate yeah. that everybody gets in touch it's all online before and they give her the preferences and what is the size of a typical group so maybe 15 20 people normally so you have to get 20 people yourself or you can you just need to be one so she has two kinds of engagements one is something called a community dinner so on saturdays normally it's a community table where individuals or people want to come in and become part of a stranger group doing fine dining together which is which has by the by the way been a bit big hit i mean it was surprising for me i was like wow this can happen in india and bombay uh and the other thing is private groups so people come to celebrate special occasions and all of that so everything gets curated everything gets customized to for example dietary regime so people will tell her that i am vegan i am that that that, that. so I am all that gets but i can have this absolutely it yeah. gets factored in so a it becomes very personalized very customized and also like i said it's an experience because you don't know what you're getting and people love to bring their loved ones and share that you know uh, in this kind of thing so it's like uh, i am amazed with and this way. is at home or where do no, they no 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 so there's a bungalow that she does it out of in bandra so it's bang opposite pali village cafe so it's a quaint little bungalow and while her name is sarita perera the bungalow is also called perera house but <laughs> she doesn't own it <laughs> but yeah so she set up this quaint thing and it's been going on for a year and a half so she's total passion so she went and did an internship in a michelin uh, restaurant 3 years ago in, in spain, spain. Yeah. yeah so she did that and yeah i mean my little bit of help was to push her well, and I, while you are saying little bit i do believe that you know it has to be a lot right because again from being a person in the corporate world so she was in advertising or she was in advertising in advertising to and suddenly she, going to spain to learn how to you know yeah. be a chef yeah. and then coming and starting something as crazy as this yeah so my credit i hope i believe that the of other course. person should talk about it but uh, i pushed her to get into like from her she used to keep cooking and trying it out i said like take it to the next level then only will you know 
you know so that was the only input or push so how did you deal with all the naysayers right because like all the stuff you have done i'm sure there must be a million people who said what kind of stupid superstar cool idea is this matlab ye kya hai you know please be serious you can't come in a company and talk about things like this or for that matter what your wife did you know sarita you know like starting this kind of a restaurant where there is no menu you just come and order things how did you deal with the naysayers so honestly i think i follow what you just said before this uh, chat which is just do it you know i believe that if it is there inside just do it and when there is output and when people recognize that output then suddenly they are the biggest fans so the same naysayers i have found like oh my god so for me my work happens through testimonials and people who have gone through it and i always believe that that's the best way as opposed to me trying to sell you know anything to anybody because that's not what i want to do let the passion talk for itself let the work speak for itself that's fine and my wife also says hey you you should be doing business development but i've never done that you know no my question is that see because there are a lot of smart people in this world but not everybody is able to leave their jobs and start all these things sure. right sure. so and whenever you talk to them they're like oh you know i have a mortgage i have kids whose mm. educations need to be funded i have this i have that yeah. they have a million excuses yeah while in your case you had none of those you figured out a way to move ahead sure. so how could all these other people and in your corporate life and you've met all these people how have they been able to make a shift let's say like i have a, this friend of mine again i'm not saying he's a ceo of a very big company and he's like you know what i'm only doing this because i'm going to one day quit all this and become a wildlife photographer right and we're like dude why are you waiting to do why can't you sure. do it now what is stopping you so, okay there are two responses of mindfulness so one is that a i'm i'm going back to that what is it that you really want to do b how do you know you're not doing it already see this is idealistic thing of this or that but the point is that what is it that you really want to do and how do you not do it already where you are sitting so it's it's like people say purpose right but that doesn't mean that you can't be driving purpose like for example i drove my purpose once i realized it four years in the corporate space so superstar did not happen overnight it happened four years because i realized what actually drove me you know and when i realized that i like i love new connections helping people find those connections and their own passion within themselves my last 4 years in my corporate life was actually driving that so it kind of was a test run for me so i think people also need to start walking steps they could be baby steps for some they could be master steps for others but i think that this a or that becomes very scary for people that binary thing is not something that everyone can do but if you can start taking steps and you start realizing oh yeah wow it is me this is me and this is what i really want to do i think that's important so See, because all these new startups who are coming up right yeah. and their biggest problem is that none of them are able to deliver product experience sure and you know when it comes to product experience when it comes to consumer all these people are unable to stick which mm. is the biggest problem they are acquiring customers using all kinds of mm. things so mm. how can whatever you just talked about be applied to a startup so is this a problem only with big companies or do you think startups also go through the same challenge so okay i'm just trying to understand what is the challenge exactly so when you say so the whole challenge of change and moving right so when you are talking about decoding mm. the superstar code sure so there's an individual level there's a corporate level but largely you talk of larger corporates yeah. in this case but when it comes to startups yeah. is there a relevance of this so 
whether it's a startup or a, an established company, the why, remember I spoke about a why at an individual level? There's also a why at a team level or why at a company level. What is it that your company actually wants to achieve, which is not necessarily only the financial metrics? It's what excites that so team. That's the Simon Sinek, right? The whole Absolutely. talk of Simon. Yeah. yeah. So I have found that when that is not clear and people are not aligned to that, then things can just kind of falter. So it doesn't matter whether it's a startup or it's an established company. So A, to articulate, B, to align and C, to then have steps which kind of help you see the manifestation of that rather than it becoming like a pipe dream is probably the biggest thing that I have found as an issue of corporates. So if I don't have a passion for that user experience you talked about and why I want to make a difference in that person's life, the customer's life, then it's never going to happen. So hmm. it needs to come from there. I need to kind of have it as part of my DNA goal as opposed to, hey, okay, you know, I'm just going to be a startup and, you know, we'll just keep scaling up, you know. Mm-hmm. So that that's my answer to that, to be honest. And that's what I found across. And, and when it comes to all the kind of companies you work for, you said you work with large companies, small companies. What is a typical engagement? Like how much time does it take for them to kind of go through this entire journey and possibly start implementing it? Is it like just one day and... Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. So a lot of... My, my last two years, I have been focusing on something called helping organizations figure out their 2.0. So like I was talking about my 2.0, uh, because everyone's now suddenly realized that, hang on, they can't keep doing what they were doing because that may not get them where they need to get, you know, because dynamics have changed, reality has changed around them, etc. Up to this point, it could have worked, but now they all feel the urgency to kind of re uh, calibrate, redefine. So when I do something like this, I first understand the real story internally. So I would interview all the key people across, you know, uh, the organization. Then I would go externally and I would meet up with ecosystem stakeholders, customers, people who see it in a very different way, or perspectives. I'm always looking for perspectives. Bring it together. Then there's a workshop. And uh, in that workshop, I get the leadership team to essentially uh, relook at the reality and then relook at what they want to create basis that reality. So this exercise is something which takes maybe four to six weeks. And then implementing something like this? Yeah, so then what happens in the workshop normally is there are specific outcomes that come out of it. So there are a lot of times where the engagement goes then beyond that, where they say, okay, now we've agreed on these metrics. Can we get your support on maybe via coaching or whatever? And so I've had those kind of engagements as well, where the engagement has gone from two to three years, in fact. So from the first... Uh, part Hmm. so it all depends on the you know the nature of the engagement and whatever they are open to some companies have managed to execute everything because the leadership was so clear with the output that hey yeah we this is what we believe in and we want to make it happen Hmm. so for me it it doesn't matter whether I was involved or not involved but at the end of it if they actually implement it's like a very important high for me Hmm. and during this workshop are there any books which you talk about or you recommend people to go through is there is there hundreds Hundreds. Hundreds. So, so tell me five books which everybody should read according to you and why. Oof. So it's all contextual to be very honest. Uh, but you talked about Start With Why of Simon Sinek. I think purpose is a very powerful starting point for anyone. And that why, why at a large life level, but why at even at your specific goal level, I think is an important journey. So I would definitely kind of endorse that book. Uh, I... I found Tools of Titans uh, personally very, very empowering. It got me back into fitness uh, because it, I just love the way he kind of, you know, by, you know, trifurcated it, you know, into uh, healthy, wealthy and wise. And I used to literally read one thing every day and then kind of figure out 
how relevant it was to me and to implement it so, so what are the three rituals you implemented from that book so thanks to tools of titans i changed my fitness regime totally i got into heart rate uh, variability variability training and all that because of that um then uh, meditation in a far bigger way yeah, meditation uh, even i have taken yeah, after tools of titans yeah actually. yeah so that and it became active and i it, it was like a validation so it almost so it was like every successful person in the world meditates oh, yeah. yeah in fact he said that was probably one of the biggest uh, exactly. common factors exactly yeah yeah so they have some mindfulness practice yeah, some right? mindfulness practice yeah 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 absolutely that i got and uh, yeah i mean you know those are the big things you know i so there's also there's a i don't know if you've ever subscribed or heard brian johnson no. uh, so brian johnson is also a curator uh, what he does is he in fact curates compiles the best books in the world so from fitness to self help and all of that he's got a youtube channel and things like that and he beautifully compiles it so there are these free youtube videos where he can actually he distills it down to six actionable points you know things like that and i started listening to him about like 3 years back so that was a huge inspiration and it remains so uh, he also does these pressy notes of those books but that you have to subscribe to but uh, he is one of the brian b r i a n johnson uh so in the on the heels of uh, tools of titans i i have been following uh tribe of mentors as well actually i have not read that book yet i yeah. just didn't so it's a time. little different and it's also valuable but of course for me probably tools of titans are a little bit impactful in life mm-hmm. um do you read anything which is fiction my problem is not that i okay i don't have a issue with fiction per se i have this massive backlog of books <laughs> and so when i have to choose it tends to then become non fiction that's the only only thing but i would love to read there are so many like nordic noir and you know all kinds of things that i i love to read and i i'm not i'm not pigeonholed to any category or anything like that you know if like for example if i'm watching a tv show and i hear something about anything i i want to explore that and maybe his work and things like that so so that's what happens for me it's all about context linkage and then deep diving into that so and you you said you also read bj fog right BJ Fogg has a book or No, he doesn't have a book. He has a website. He has a website. Tiny Habits is a website. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a yeah. website and there's a lot of work on it. Uh and in fact he has a a mini coaching program. Yeah. So he actually kind of coaches you with those tiny so habits. I know a couple of people who actually went to San Francisco or whatever in Silicon Valley. Did a program. Uh, he mm. charges like a bomb for that, sure, but you yeah. know you can go and do these programs which but is But there's a free thing online where people can sign up and he actually kind of hand holds it for i don't know for 2 3 weeks if i'm not mistaken to actually see those tiny habits through i i did that you know and that, that was pretty good um so that's amazing and what are the podcasts you are on you said you listen to a lot of podcasts tim ferris of course tim ferris yeah, i've been listening to him for some time so which now. is your favorite episode there uh trying to remember i haven't heard one for a long time but because i read it i also i think I heard the Laird the surfer mm-hmm. uh it was some time back so I'll tell you what has been my favorite of late has been of this Japanese lady called Con Mary ah, who the does tidy, this, the tidy master yeah, who talks about you know just minimalism mm. and cleaning and making sure you keep things in order you know, decluttering thing decluttering right? mm. so i was like super impressed oh, yeah, with that it was nice. that was and nice. i think that's one tip if anybody wants to oh, take absolutely. off is throw away things you don't use yeah. you know if you are just keep the five t-shirts or the four mm. trousers or the three pairs or two pairs of shoes and yeah. donate everything off so yeah, i yeah. think 
part of I think Indian culture specifically is that you just keep keeping things in places everywhere yeah, and yeah. you know in my house also every drawer you open there are stuff lying around yeah. and I think one thing which I I, I really loved that episode and so I I, I and i totally suffer from the opposite of that which is hoarding and my wife totally complains especially the books by the way um but i think there is a beautiful act of decluttering right uh, where you feel lighter after doing that you know and then that whole it simplifies life right for you so i did the most ultimate declutter i only wear red t-shirts and red shoes and mm. that's it so i said i'm not going and i have only two trousers or three maybe that's it and whenever i have to travel i have to plan yeah. i just have a carry on luggage i have never mm, checked, checked in a in. bag for ages because it is decluttered my entire travel and wardrobe so i think it kind of makes suddenly you kind of set yourself free because i do international trips and when i am in the airport and they are like you're going to us i said yeah and where is your bag i said no i have no bags <laughs> and there are people with you know four massive bags luggage, massive yeah. bags and shoving everything in mm-hmm. and i carry you no know, luggage wherever i go so i think yeah. it kind of makes a huge difference uh, and you get this feeling of liberation that you get out of the plane and you yeah. can now just go out yeah so um, along with tim i listen to dave asprey quite a bit yeah. the bulletproof coffee founder dave actually has now created a massive empire on this bulletproof coffee yeah. thing i met him a couple of times really? i've been to one of the bulletproof conferences too oh, okay. when it was very small but now it has become into this massive, massive consumer yeah. product mm. thing yes cafes and mm. he's creating all kinds of products on bulletproof yeah. and but, but you know there's interesting that there is this whole tribe of people who are debunking it saying oh this is all fake and all of that sure. what has been your view on the whole bulletproof thing which he's doing of course bulletproof coffee we know but all the other products he's coming so up with so i relate to bulletproof not for the coffee per se but i think his whole approach so i follow the framework so for example he's talking about toxicity of food so you know uh, to see if a food is bulletproof or not that gave me a it's a the simple pdf which you download from his yeah. site uh, free of charge uh, i think it gave me a framework to evaluate and that has really really helped me so i like the framework i like the thinking i don't necessarily like i said this whole absolutes of this is god and that he's god no i like to distill see a okay this connects this resonates with me I would like to follow this so that's what I do for example uh one of my big things I realized which was causing my stress was sleep so this I've got from Dave Asprey everybody knows yeah, yeah, yeah. Sleep. sleep so the how lighting affects all of those things so now in fact today consciously apps I use all of that to help me to support me in the journey of sleep so you know, my biggest it. hack is I don't even keep the phone in the same room. Mm. It's in a different room. Mm. The other thing which I realize and I think if you are listening to this podcast you should do it right now. Shut all notifications from your phone. Right. Make keep it in permanent silent mode. No mm. vibration, no dial. Because mm. what I realize is that while we think that people are desperately trying to call us and mm. everything is important, it is not. Yeah, absolutely. And if you make yourself available to people every second of the day, they yeah. are going to disturb you. But if you're not available, you should be controlling the destiny of yourself yeah. using these yeah. devices. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's massively liberating when i can decide when i want to open yeah. my phone and communicate with one versus you know notifications pinging and calling yeah. and you know all of that so that kind of massively helped me and that improved my sleep because i am no longer subconsciously thinking, thinking yeah, of yeah, yeah. some notification or some mm. call i'm going to get on my phone no no i totally i totally concur with that the other thing which i did 
I got rid of using a computer years back. I have no laptop, no okay. PC, nothing. I am only on an iPad and off late I'm even stopping the use of iPad. So my only device is my mobile phone. Wow. So it restricts me to send very short messages. So my messages mm. are your engagement is limited to that yeah, I don't, kind of interaction. I don't read emails more than two lines. So people mm. in my office already know. People who know me would not send me emails. Mm. And if you're listening to me, if you're gonna send me a long email, sorry. <laughs> I just don't read more than two lines. And if you cannot communicate, actually, the subject line is what you need to only focus on. If you yeah. can clearly write a perfect subject, you can, you know, communicate the rest. Absolutely. And even my communication is largely very micro because, mm. you know, you don't want to waste writing. I, I remember you saying that you also hate PowerPoint presentations. Right? <laughs> so, you know, my point is there is something important to communicate talk. Correct. Because mail is not the mm. best means to communicate yep. long formats. Yep. It's yep. a good yep. way to cover your ass. Yep. Yep. And corporates do it just for that. Sure. But when you want to have a meaningful discussion, pick up the phone and talk to the oh, person. Oh, absolutely. I think things are unfortunately also getting a little impersonal. And therefore that, you know, sterilized thing. And there is no that, you know, the human touch like you talked about. And that can... So you uh, talked about Dave Asprey's podcast, Tim Ferriss. Who else? So Dave Asprey, uh, then there is, so if on the health and fitness space, I follow someone called Mike Mutzel. Um, but I think Dave Asprey is pretty much kind of all encompassing for me. So a lot of light uh, science yeah. and therapy. No, my so. only problem with Dave Asprey is he's just pushing his products too much in everything sure. now. You know, so I discount that. So for yeah. me, I know that, okay, hang on. 90% of this is going to be also sell but there is some stuff that's coming out of it and which is what I focus on yeah you know know? because what I'm trying to now do is every time I go I'm trying to meet there's this massive work happening on life elongation you know all these American Mm. billionaires who have you know 50 billion 40 billion they don't want to die and they're all spending billions on figuring out Mm. and the hacks they are talking about is I think in the next 5 to 10 years they're all going to become mainstream currently all of this is restricted to the multi-millionaires where they're injecting stem cells and injecting their own blood and uh, all the crazy things happening Uh, but there's one place I want to go and maybe you should take that as your next passion project, which is the Blue Zones. Have you heard of the Blue Zones? Yeah, the, the so, so like Okinawa and all these yeah, places. Places yeah, where yeah. people are living above 100 yep, years. Yep, yep. And what have they done right is really mm. what should be the real superstar code, right? Yeah, because yeah, ultimately, yeah. it's about what is causing these people to live over 100 sure, years sure. No, versus, absolutely. you know, everybody else who yeah. are, you know, popping up in India, especially it's a really bad in terms of, uh, you know, life, sure. you know, the sure. whole life expectancy and all of that. So podcasts, uh, what kind of movies do you watch? Are you a movie buff oh, at all? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, so I watch more TV show than movie, mm-hmm. uh, movies occasionally, but I think in the last 15 odd years, I found a lot of better writing I'm talking about the international TV at least. Uh, of course, Narcos you must have seen. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Amazing yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. So I got into TV because I just found fantastic content, engagement and things like that. And that's probably where my most fiction happens, if I may call it that. Uh, so I can watch anything to anything. I mean, from 
like last year we i got totally into the this the scandinavian tv you know like mm-hmm. i don't know if you've heard of the killing so which is for bridelson which was a massive hit in the uk so but it kind of it's a very different take on crime and the culture etc etc and we got so excited about that that we took a trip to copenhagen wife and i you know <laughs> after watching that show yeah. <laughs> wow the killing by the way <laughs> oh god was that a message to someone i don't know but anyway so it worked for us but i like to explore culture and for me that is always something that excites me and that got you into the coffee culture absolutely the vishal gondal show will be right back after this break every week comes a show where three people come together to tell you about stuff they like a movie a tv show a book and stuff tune in every monday on the ivm podcast app to ivm likes batman approves this message thank you batman so tell me five things about coffee which i would not know or anybody would not know okay so uh the first thing that people assume about coffee is that if i don't add milk or sugar it's going to be bitter What I discovered and it was my biggest surprise point was hang on if coffee is done right a it's not bitter surprise surprise but more than that it actually has flavors natural in the bean which can be watermelon fruits berries what have you so for example you may have heard people talking about wine tasting and things like that where they get you know different kinds of flavors wine has a flavor palette Okay, let's say about four hundred possible flavors that your system can pick up. Coffee has double of that. Wow! There's nothing in this world, no food, that has that much of flavor possibility that as much as coffee. What creates the flavor? A couple of steps and processes about where it's grown, how it's grown, the quality the of that, the temperature, the water, everything, pH, everything, 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 right? everything. So, when things in the chain fall in place, at the end of it. you get fantastic amazing flavor just like it happens in food it happens like i said in wine it happens today in like single malt the problem with coffee is everybody expects coffee to be bitter and they just add too yeah. much sugar to it yeah. and that's what adds the taste but that's the old like i said you know i i, I like to see oh my god that's the paradigm and but hang on there's something which people are not getting and that excites me you know always so people think that coffee is something which is supposed to be strong and therefore has to be you know like you said sweetened or you know kind of added to but i have found that coffee so that's one part which is the beverage itself but the bigger high was finding you know there's this whole craft revolution that's happening across like not just coffee but everything beer uh, wine uh, you name it right whiskey etc in everything cheese chocolate right but what is craft it's about passion and purpose right so today's generation while in a, i call it my ppt which is passion purpose and technology you mm-hmm. know so it's not just technology that's happening in the world today it's passion and purpose when these three things get together that's when magic happens so in the craft world of coffee it's about connection between people and that's what i found fascinating so for example the connection is not just about human hey hi how are you you're my friend now but once upon a time farmers coffee farmers okay it was about us versus them if i can buy cheap from you i am better off mm-hmm. whereas now it's about if i can help you grow better you will make more money from me 
And if I can do that, my customer will get an experience which he never did before. So the whole chain benefits, and I find that amazing. And I think the new revolution of cold brew. I'm just loving cold brew, especially in the hot season. Oh, it's awesome. So you know what's my new hack for bulletproof? I actually make cold brew coffee. Ah. And then I add butter in it, but it didn't work because butter was not melting. Mm. So now what I do is I make cold brew. Okay. Then I heat it. And then I make it into a bulletproof coffee. Okay. And the taste of that is completely different From, because mm. it has not touched anything hot, so it's right. like completely different taste. How how much do you heat it? As in, like I mean, just to make it warm. Enough. Ah, it's, okay, it's not okay. like it's not boiling. It's ah, just basically fair. converting the cold. To, and the reason I did that is because the butter was otherwise just floating in the cold. I'm sure no one has heard of this hack, <laughs> <laughs> which is you heat the cold brew. Nice one, Vishal. <laughs> no, because, because otherwise the butter was not melting inside. Fair enough. <laughs> so or I have to. Find something else Which kind of You know mm. Sits into the coldness Interesting uh, I read some blogs They talked about Adding some kind of ice cream I was like Listen I'm not going to add Ice cream to my Bulletproof coffee And you know right. Make it bad Right. So right. coffee You were saying Which are the best coffees In India People should try So What was happening In the west And by the way It's a recent phenomenon In the west as well So it's not like Oh India is 100 years behind Or anything like that uh, what I'm talking about is what is called specialty coffee. Because blue bottle and all these things, yeah. you know, like became a f- like massive phenomenon in yeah. Silicon Valley. Yeah. So today, I mean, the US, it's actually tipped towards specialty coffee. The entire consumption of coffee has gone towards specialty coffee yeah. in the US. Finally, it wasn't like that. It's changed only in the last couple of years. Uh, and there are pockets of these excellence, you know, uh, like Australia is like coffee capital. You know, they consume. Actually, I didn't know about Australia being coffee capital. It is. It is. Japan is mad about coffee. Coffee, I know that. Uh, in pockets. But Australia, like the worst of the co- worst coffees that you'll get in Australia will be far better than any of the coffees you'll find in the US. Yeah. So it's their uh, cafe and roasting culture which has gotten exported, by the way, to the US and the UK. That's transformed the cafes in yeah. these places. So you're asking me about India, right? Uh, so far, all the... And by the way, India is like the seventh largest coffee, coffee producer, producer in the world. Yeah. But it was never for India itself. It was always like tea getting exported. The good stuff was always getting exported outside. Now what has happened in the last five years with companies like Blue Tokai, uh, the farmers are realizing that, oh, there could be domestic demand if, you know, we do it this way, etc., etc. So slowly, there is a direct relationship between roaster and uh, farmer that started happening. So there are a couple of now new age roasters who have got into the fray. A lot of them, in fact, in Jaipur, in Bangalore, of course, uh, Delhi, and of course, now Bombay, finally. Bombay was probably the last. And uh, there's only one blue Tokai outlet in the middle of nowhere in that Lakshmi Mill compound. Now you have in Bandra, which actually oh, they just is started a, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of months back, in fact. Okay. So in Bandra, you have two places, in fact. You have blue Tokai, you have Koinonia. Oh yeah, so so now it's finally started because it wasn't uh, there in Bombay earlier. Delhi was like two years ahead. You know? London has some amazing coffee. Oh, shops absolutely, in yeah, I love. But it. like I said, yeah. massive Aussie culture. Yeah. So you know, it's just been transformed and very fast. So why? Because they are so picky about their coffee. So where they are expats, they expect the coffee to be that way. So what happened was it just created that, you know, that that quality to be forced down people's. Throats and cups So uh, Blue Tokai is doing Some fantastic work Koinonia I mentioned uh, There's a There's a roaster In Delhi I use uh, Called Quick Brown Fox <laughs> Yeah Young Very cutting edge And f- I mean The kind of flavors I've never got before In India mm-hmm. You know So in my espresso I will get 
chocolate which is fine but tropical fruit you know as a con- complement to that which just was not happening let's say with regular ones you know earlier so that kind of stuff is something that that has started happening in india so there is some variety but the nature of the bean the farming etc still we are nowhere obviously close to but the africas even, of the world. even the consumers don't understand it right i mean that's the point till they haven't tasted it till they haven't and by the way this comes back to the brain thing and if i can just share this very quickly um uh, you know there was a there's a old story of when christopher columbus landed you know on some islands that the natives were looking at the ships but they still couldn't see the ships because they didn't know what ships look like so it didn't exist in their mental framework right so uh what happened with me with espresso was that i was having indian coffee espresso in, uh, the beans in that and then uh, wife and i took a trip to singapore and i had an espresso and suddenly i was tasting blueberries and i died i said how is this even possible i went to two three more cafes and i had those kind of flavors so i said must be those wow machines that they have and stuff like that so i took some beans back you know home and i put it in the home machine that we have and i started getting similar flavors so i said oh it was the beans so then after that the beans got over and then i went back to good old you know indian beans and i started getting flavors i had never gotten before so i realized that my brain had gotten reeducated it didn't know that those flavors were possible same here i i could i can now taste the difference between arabia coffee and robusta right that's arabica a, yeah arabica yeah. and robusta i didn't know before and now your palate kind of starts Absolutely. developing right previously it is so all till it doesn't people will say what are you talking about there are no flavors so there are different people whose flavors would get influenced by different things so flavor is a very complex chemical thing you know in your brain so if you don't educate people and get them to experience that they will never appreciate it so it's a combination of you know that which i've realized otherwise people say what are you talking like you mean pineapple like you've added the flavor pineapple so no 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 <laughs> hang Because on normally it's... people think now wine is really become that right people are trying yeah. to get this into wine but yeah. into coffee was yeah. and I, i really hate people when i see them putting like two sachets of sugar <laughs> in their coffee and i'm like dude no but you know i'll tell you what the thing is you got to start from where people are so the other problem of let's say speciality and craft is that that snobbery that ends up happening which is what you're a coffee drinker and you're having tea i'm sorry milk and sugar with it and you kind of are condescending about then already it puts off a lot of people so this is not for us this is for some hi-fi but my point is that a lot of these coffee shops are fooling them right three pumps of vanilla sure. then they're doing all these crazy things sure. they're just putting sugar you know there's nothing great on these flavors and sure. people think that having yeah. this some mocha macchiato whatever whatever yeah. is a, so they are assuming that coffee flavors are those yeah absolutely while the real coffee flavors mm. are what you just talked yep, about absolutely. it comes from the bean and not the yep. pumps which are being pumped into that coffee absolutely. so i think that's the problem yeah yeah and unless yeah. they you know meet people like you i don't think so anybody would even realize that oh absolutely so i mean i i've been into specialty coffee for four years and my one big high is to get people to first taste coffee without milk or sugar and by the way my wife is successfully converted she used to have it only with milk and sugar to have it only like so i black. actually transitioned so my transition happened with nespresso ah okay so nespresso was the closest yeah fair. which came to this and now of course i can't even drink nespresso mm. because i have gone into beans and i also by the way i have a grinder and ah, nice. everything um i also kind of freshly grind my beans for my bulletproof oh brilliant uh, almost brilliant. every alternate day but clearly i mean and you and you feel the difference when you don't right absolutely. that's yeah absolutely yeah. 
absolutely so i think clearly right i mean the process is very very different but coming back to our discussion so you have talked about your podcast your books your videos yeah so what are the five things which you can't get out of your house with or when you travel you always carry with you so like i said if it's a overnight my bulletproof kit which includes aeropress that's my coffee maker yeah. which is like the easiest to carry outside nutri bullet and unfortunately because of these things i have to check in my baggage ah. anyway. <laughs> well you need to figure out a hack yeah. for that yeah i know i know so because it's a mixer right and you know take it and it's always like a but there's a very small uh, you know coffee grinder you can actually almost so i don't grind it what i do is if it's a it's a one day trip i get it pre ground just for that trip ah. so that's okay but it's the blending which happens with my nutri bullet which i just don't get with a hand frother which you know once i'm used to that i just can't handle the you know the other variant so uh so that's what i always take uh, i have to have my music my number one by the way passion and as always and i know i was music. your spotify supplier Absolutely. for the longest time <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i still have it <laughs> so music i mean everything ultimately comes down to music for me it's a soundtrack of life so in fact one of the reasons why i really loved running it gave me a fantastic excuse to listen so to my who, music so who are your favorite what are your favorite tracks So okay I there again I explore and I get into whatever so for example in the last couple of months I got into jazz but then I got into something called avant-garde jazz which means far more experimental jazz I didn't and, even know something like this existed yeah so I post this on my Instagram every morning with my bulletproof so I've actually created something I don't know if Dave Dave Asprey is listening but something called bulletproof jazz <laughs> <laughs> So in which I have my bulletproof coffee and I'm playing a new album every morning. Don't call it bulletproof jazz because he'll <laughs> copy it and sell it and not even pay you a I dollar know, for it. But that's what I do. So every every day I'm discovering a new album every single day. So how, how do you discover? Means what do you do? You just search or so I have some kind of filter. So I say okay, there's a label called ECM. They're fantastic, and maybe that's a filter. There's a you know, so it could be a label, it could be like artists, which is where the beauty of services like Spotify, etc., mm-hmm. Apple you Music come in curation, yeah. right? So, so for me, finding something new, that 2.0 every day, is very important. In fact, I used to have a saying on my softboard when I used to be in offices: W B Y M T. What blew my mind today? This is a very important thing for me. So you know that's like a mantra, always. So what has been your biggest failure so far? So, for me, I have to always marry passion with perspective and objectivity. When I don't do that bit, which is the objectivity bit, I can get carried away. So I can get burnt. You know, it'll get uh, like you said. You know, I can get over deep into something, and then that can create uh, disappointment and all that. So when I don't do both. it has always created failure for me but if i have both what will happen is that the that failure at that time will immediately then get converted into the next learning and it becomes a 2.0 so for me i think it's it's always important that i use it uh, together and that's mm-hmm. a learn that is my code you know that that's how i you know approach life and i always need to consciously kind of be kind of you know very of not doing that mm-hmm. so, that's interesting Yeah. So, for example, one of the companies I worked with was Sony Music. So, I, but why did I join Sony Music? Because I'm passionate about music, right? But in Sony Music, it was a great place, all of that, great experience, and all that. But I wasn't enjoying myself, okay? Because I suddenly realized that something which I really love, now I have to look at it commercially. 
hang on and that created disconnect for me so in fact the listening to music went down in sony music and when i left again it went back up so i so realized so that basically it means as you could never start your own coffee company in fact please i hope my wife is listening because she's like pushing me start a cafe start a cafe i said no you don't understand this is a passion and for me i have to be very in fact i have to harness my passions rather than get carried away by them so a lot of, a lot of people say that you need to find something that you love i love everything when i do something i do it with love and passion so for me it's a question of harnessing putting it in perspective and, and your perspective is if you start a cafe you will be forced to look at cafe as a commercial endeavor that's one which will kill your and take passion sides. and maybe take sides so for example me versus another cafe uh me you know so i'd rather be a meta identity someone maybe at a content level who has to deal with all coffee entities so so what you are saying is you are like the curator of yes. life yes curator so people curate paintings and say hey these are the five most beautiful paintings yeah so you could potentially be the curator of life Absolutely. and i can come to you or somebody can yeah. come to you and say curate five amazing things for me yes So, I love that's my passion. So Definitely. what would you so you know me now you'd be spend enough time what are the five things you would curate for me? So obviously fitness technology I mean I think that those cutting edge no, things. No so what exa- what experiences would you want to curate for me is what I mean. So like coffee you'll say Vishal I want you to try this coffee yep. from this cafe. So it's like you have or like you said I want you to listen to this particular music track. Yeah. So what would you curate five things if you have to? So are you asking for coffee itself I'm or asking, no? for five examples out of all these crazy examples you have so coffee definitely so which coffee for example so i would get you to experience different kinds of flavors so it would be my endeavor to get you from 1.0 to the next okay so that to me is very important and how i would do it is actually and it's easier to do it through cafes and not in india so for example let's say next time you're traveling so japan i'm there yes so when i said i'll tell you which places to go to you know uh, and normally when there's a place where i know the people it's also beautiful in fact this is something which i was thinking of like hey can i curate a coffee trail you know where people can actually explore because i went through this myself you know singapore first experience i found via normal search you get the obvious starbucks blah 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 whatever but then you connect with people and you find through a barista what he you know, loves and all that and you find the real network of cafes and coffee shops so i think a people don't have that access and be that curation like you talked about uh, that hand holding which is what i do for myself uh, i think is something which i i know i can blow your mind on so that i that i'm very confident on so if it's currently coffee if it was running once upon a time i would have done it well i've i've already been i've learned chi running from you right i mean i'm your student number 101 like well, actually no, student number 1 for every crazy class you're going to ever start Wow. So when okay. are you starting your coffee appreciation course? Mm. Okay, so that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's that's a thought. I've been thinking what how to do this, yeah. yeah. No, because I think that's that's the next level like converting your passion into something which is non-conflicting. So yeah, creating yeah, a yeah, cafe yeah. could conflict it. Yeah. Yeah. But creating an experience may not. I agree. I think something that educates, something that takes it to that level is something that definitely excites me. So yes, I would love to, you know. When it comes to the superstar code, you interviewed a lot of people. Yeah. So, could you talk about three people who inspired you? I know you can't ape them and all of that. Mm. Even outside, you know, even outside the people you interviewed, but who are the three people you thought inspired you in some way? So there were different hacks that people used, and I think that's what kind of got me. Uh, 
also from people who are very diametrically opposite of me let's say so maybe you know i would look at with passion and perspective somebody would look at it from analysis and uh, rigor maybe you know of uh, whatever uh, or more importantly organized so those kind of things and how they went about it and kind of the impact that it created those are the kind of things that uh, i don't know that influence so particular names which kind of come to your mind so there was i mean one the famous name i guess uh, is uh, this gulpanag so one of the interviewees and so you know okay this is my initial impression of gulpanag which is you know she's adventurous and she does new things and all of that but when i did that what came out of it was uh, everything she does is thought through meticulous planned analyzed and i was shocked because that's what came out of you know the profile and things like that and then when i explained that to people that hang on uh when she does it you think that it's all about adventure and this and all that but it's actually you know being you think it is spontaneous but yes, it is not spontaneous not at all not at all so i mean just as an example while the interview was happening there was a call uh and she said don't worry abhijit please go ahead because this call i don't have to take right now then after that there was another call i said like i'm sorry abhijit but this is a call i have to take it's my husband because he's catching this flight and i will not get a window after this so i'm going to take so she was very clear so there was you know so it just i was like wow you know that compartmentalizing it and being so clear about your priorities so that really kind of you know blew my mind mm-hmm. uh the who else so there was leander pays so everything about him was energy and people everything was about energy management so you know while you look at the sport and all that like whether it was people and in fact even going for the interview you know he was hugging the the guys at the gate you know at, at the taj where we did the interview and things like that so and when i interviewed him it was all about human connection energy you very know? positive yeah so it was all about spreading that and and receiving it yeah and he does come across very yeah, so that's very what i got yeah. and i was like wow you know i mean that's like uh, very inspiring So this is what I remember. Uh, by the way, this happened six years ago. So I'm like trying to remember. <laughs> I know you <laughs> gave interviews. me you gave me a whole booklet of my code. I don't even remember that. You, yeah, I had. Maybe yes, you yes. have a copy yeah, of yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah, probably yes. Yeah, but like <laughs> I said, it happened six years ago. So <laughs> exactly. So what are the things you own? What are your possessions under ten thousand, which you kind of use literally every day? Ah, uh, besides the books and the music. Okay. Ah. Uh, so I would put the coffee gear. Okay, the coffee. So the, yeah, so every time I upgrade and stuff like that. So for example, uh, I used to do it in a very uh, unwieldy way, which is like the big thing about coffee is extracting the flavor out of it into the water. And again, pe- what people don't know is that when you grind, there are very fine pieces, and then there are very big pieces, boulders. So when you have both, they extract in different at different rates. So sifting it. So there is something called a Kruv coffee sifter. which Ooh. came out of a kickstarter campaign and stuff like that so it's a simple device but it basically gives you the optimal grind and suddenly the flavors just shoot out basically everything has the consistent yes. size yes yeah. in fact i used to always think that the more uneven it is the better it no, is no no so i used to actually use a channi because i got this hack from some guys 3 years ago uh, on a video uh, this is james hoffman who's a ex uh, world barista champion who's based in the uk so they actually used to take the grind into a channi i used to do that put it on to tissue paper a uh, napkin okay so the channi you take out the boulders then everything is behind uh, below then you take the filter paper and then uh, leave the very fine sticking to the paper so you would have the middle and i would use that 
and Ooh. people who saw me growing like man that's like serious you OCD half the thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you calculate that way and i saw the difference i saw the difference what essentially you know there's a analogy that which i'm now quite excited about using in life which is someone describing the world of specialty coffee which is that just imagine the different windows to get that best flavor you have to ensure that each window is clean and if it's a dirty window you're not going to get that net flavor so again back to life it's like look at your windows and see hang on uh, is nutrition the window clean is my sleep window clean or dirty so essentially looking at all the windows and saying hang on i need to clean 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 you know so i thought it was a great analogy and that's what the world of specialty coffee is so yeah. what are your top 3 destinations travel destinations and you recommend everybody to go there so for me it's always for a reason and a context and all of that but copenhagen was uh, you know a of course it came because of the killing the killing <laughs> but also because of i think i fell in love with the nordic culture and uh, because a wife you know is a chef and there was a food festival going on that's the other reason the official reason that we went but the point was that and they have this concept in scandinavia right of this food they eat in the table i don't know what's it called but it's now getting very popular of you eating the food together so sure. so like for example uh, in denmark they have something called h y g g e pronounces hugge yeah hugge exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, which is all about bonhomie it's about connection but where does it come from it comes from them having very harsh winters no sun so for them it's a very important thing to you know connect and you know mm-hmm. like like there are places where you know seeing a human being is like wow <laughs> whereas over here oh no 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 more people you know so it's a context that you need to kind of focus on but i found that they're very down to earth because like 50 to 60% of all people in copenhagen cycle to work yeah. and i think that creates a different kind of culture so it's not about who you are and all that everybody's doing the same thing you know so things like that so i i, I get fascinated by these kind of journeys and so apart from copenhagen so else? now because of coffee i definitely want to go to one place because now i realize that's that's truly the capital is oslo norway oslo is the capital of coffee yes wow i didn't know that yeah so i used to fixate and uh, on melbourne and melbourne is really really wow on coffee but now slowly after experiencing different coffees from that region and the kind of quality and the obsession they have is like weird you know and uh, so now i just kind of i i definitely it's a bucket list thing it never was earlier but now i definitely want to you know go and experience i need to come in man experience these coffees with you here it's just we've been just too busy so we need to figure out a to do this honestly we need to be in a city outside <laughs> india and i'm telling you even singapore no, for example no i'm going to come to your place you have i'm sure you have all fine. these beans please that i can do that i can always do that i always so do for oslo people. copenhagen and where else uh wife wants to go to mexico city mm, uh, i was just there a really? few months back yeah yeah because of food so there's this new show on netflix that's come out ugly delicious yeah i saw that yeah, yeah. so there's a episode on mexico city and that like totally inspired her because seeing that cultural diversity of ingredients and you know things like that and and it's also a great place for good coffee mm-hmm. it's happening it's not like developed as much oh, but it's not good coffee i've been there no but there are good oh, see every maybe. place every place has its journey it's like bombay so for example you know paris you might think paris cafes but they are very new in the uh, specialty coffee space it's only mm-hmm. now that some cafes are kind of taking the lead <laughs> so it's not like the the entire culture is into coffee as opposed to norway so in norway for example the worst of the worst coffee guys 
will be far ahead of all you know what you think so my rule is that whenever i travel to a new city i always try coffee in the local places i would never go to a starbucks or any of sure. the the chains oh definitely I only go to the local places yeah. but you know there's a difference i found in local versus the specialty coffee places no i mean the minute you go local you end up going to the specialty no places. not necessarily no? so for example you know uh, we went to kuala lumpur uh, 3 years ago so initially i like googled and found out and i would get the standard regular not not starbucks but different kinds of coffee places okay but then i connected tweeted to some people and all of that and i got some uh, responses and then i found for example this is 3 years back uh there was a service or something called you know kl coffee hunt or whatever and it had a map of uh, kuala lumpur which had 150 cafes none of them uh starbucks none of them chain and specialty cafes okay and uh, and why was it a big thing in kl because most of these people had come down from australia settled mm. back and they wanted to kind of replicate that experience and it was hungry for fantastic coffee that city you know one place which i was surprised about with cafe or coffee was vietnam yeah it's changing now it has the most amazing coffee culture because the coffee has some kind of a you know they add something to the coffee And you know what is the most popular coffee there? And I could not drink the it. condensed milk one. Condensed milk. That's the Vietnamese, the, the iced coffee that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, but but I was surprised. So Vietnam in one lane mm. had some forty coffee yeah, shops. Yeah. So the coffee culture there is completely crazy. Yeah. So you should probably at least go there once. It's so close from here, right? I mean, Vietnam would be quite if, an experience. Okay. If there are Asian coffee destinations, uh, number one is Japan. Oh, of course. But yeah. but next to that is Korea. Korea. Massive. Massive, you know that. For example, I could never think of Korea. I could always think of alcohol. Koreans consume the most amount of alcohol. Probably now ahead of Japan. Korea, yes. So, Ooh. for example, Seoul itself. Let's say there are like one fifty, two hundred cafes. Every one of them roasts. It's a culture. So they are very into it. The World Coffee, the Barista Championships, just happened in Seoul right now. Oh yeah, yeah. So you track all of that, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so Korea is one. Okay, Hong Kong, Hong Kong massively, massively into coffee. Uh, Taiwan massively into coffee, and they do it in a very you know amazing way. And India, me people thought Nescafe shake, chick, chick, chick. You know, and they think that they are like this is guy who like drinks Nescafe and thinks that's the most amazing coffee. Like, dude, this is not even coffee. This True. is like something else. Absolutely. This is not coffee. That's why they bought blue bottle. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but the world of coffee and the world of speciality, everything, right? Yeah. Whether it is you know. By the way, my latest is chocolate. Oh God! Really? So uh, coming from keto, paleo. So I only can eat chocolate about seventy percent. I, I can't eat hundred percent. I can't eat hundred. But bitter. that's because you're not having the right chocolate. Oh God! So send me some chocolate. So, so for example, uh, I tried the lint ninety nine percent. It was ash. It tasted like ash to me. It tastes very bitter. It's very bad. But I have two brands today. Uh, luckily, they are now supplied in India. So there's a company in Japan, uh, Jaipur. Sorry, <laughs> we are talking about Japan. So they they import these two brands. Brand number one is Pakari. Pakari is an Ecuador organic tree to bar, which means everything sustainable, etc. Wow. Okay, hundred percent. When you taste that, and once your palate gets it, it's be it's fruity. It's berry and must be super expensive, right? No, this one, no, not really. So, for example, a 
uh, one are you bar- not carrying it with you man no, no? In fact, that i should have bought okay <laughs> i didn't think of chocolate okay uh, and the second brand which, which they've just got is a madagascar uh, cacao bean again they have variants 180 whatever but i take the 100 and i get like fruit berry and that what i need to um, whenever you, i try the but why is this possible for me because of my coffee journey uh, see palate got opened up now what's happening is even if i have tea i get flavors i never used to get before mm. so food i get flavors which you i would never get train, before yeah your brain needs to train Absolutely. to it's a brain thing i realized this so now with cacao and it's so healthy it's not funny so there is no sugar it's not about adding some uh, stevia or anything like that it's pure cacao bean so i have it every day so this is like my nice so what else do you have what are the other superfoods you have you have coffee cacao bean what else that's pretty much it and two meals so it's only a lunch and and, and, and what are your meals consisting of so it would be like in a, uh, if it's lunch it would be fish seafood so i kind of avoid the i stop eating chicken because i realize that it is probably the most contaminated meat in this country oh god i love chicken man. i know but it is so i mean i used to be a chicken maniac uh but and my wife is half goan so she used to hate chicken you know being a seafood person and all of that but now she's got away and now i don't eat chicken so it's all seafood it's all seafood uh, but i thought seafood is also very badly it's a little better off than chicken. lamb and chicken definitely you know so that's what i have and uh, veg uh, and eggs kind of a thing for dinner so that's like my two things and my wife keeps innovating and creating something for me uh, by remote control why you never decided to turn vegan shegan and all these things i have right? experimented so not now but way back uh, so there was a time when i got into uh, spiritual journey where you know it was encouraged to go vegetarian and i said if i can go vegetarian i can even go vegan i tried all of that it didn't work for me it really didn't work for me um because i've always a you know from even from a family perspective we've always had you know so abhijit where do you see yourself 5 10 15 years from now i mean you're so young and you're already mastering all these things right i mean where do you see yourself in the next 5 10 years what do you see yourself doing i think if i'm living it should be if same, you're living, the same okay. way is there is there a doubt on <laughs> no, that no no what i mean is what i mean is it has to be the same way i have to con- continuously learn get something out of it move on to the next the 2.0 so to me that is what I know matters. so I'm just saying where do you I mean did you expect yourself to be a connoisseur of coffee not at all 100% and chocolate chocolate not at all but that's what I see what I love is to be proven wrong in some area so like how can I have chocolate would have been probably my response you know one year back but you know one thing which I think you can absolutely not do which is is write a book I agree with you. <laughs> I thought you would have taken I that. totally agree I with you. I thought you would have taken that as a challenge to say okay I'm going to write a book. You know this is a, this is the same thing like music for me which is I love reading so much that putting myself on the other side I don't know it just separates me. So yeah you're right I mean it's it's a mental thing which and if I hadn't done it I wouldn't have known also. So how can people distill all your knowledge and use it man if you're not going to write a book not every how okay how can they come and get quotes under you? What do they have to do? How does one apply? No I mean like people approach me I mean they connect with me by number my email or whatever but uh I used to write on the blog Uh, I stopped three years ago, but this is that hangover of that tiny habit that I created. I wrote some three hundred posts in three hundred days. Posts? Yes, that was the result of the tiny habit. <laughs> It became wow. a monster. Every day I would write. I had to write it. 
<laughs> I was addicted. It's on Medium. So if you search Abhijit yeah. Pradhan on Medium, you would get those posts which used to happen. So for example, I would uh, listen to an episode or something of Brian Johnson, get inspired and put my takes on it, and boom, it would go up. So this is about three years ago. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. I'm now I'm active on Insta. I think purely because of coffee. People can follow you on Instagram because yeah. I know I've been seeing your coffee posts yeah. and there. That's like pretty. Crazy. That's pretty active. I'm not active on Facebook, Twitter, but I'm definitely active on uh, Instagram. Abhijit underscore D A N Dan. That's me. So you can see the passion for coffee, and even the people who are passionate about coffee get my passion for coffee. You know. So ah. and by the way, that's how I've connected with people. Like there are people in Hong Kong, people in Oslo, people in Copenhagen. I'm loving it because it's a new level of you know. This is something which I was. Telling someone, which is that, when I go, let's say, in, in a new city, when you come from that passion tribe, it immediately breaks down barriers, and suddenly there's this. And you know, yeah. you kind of say you get me right because half yep. the time, like yep. I have bulletproof coffee, and everybody, why are you having this? Sure. You know, ninety nine percent people think I'm crazy. <laughs> you know, maybe you are the only one who doesn't. So yeah. it'll be ninety nine point nine nine percent. True. Uh, you know, I've been having. I do pretty much all the crazy things you do, and I think. The same thing oh, I suffer here. from <laughs> yeah. And you're like Guys you don't get it Because once you get it You yeah. will say Why the hell was Absolutely. I Not doing this yeah, yeah. You know So So for me The biggest joy Is to connect with people Who get it yeah. And and like you said There are few But when I do And unfortunately A lot of that is Therefore out of India And things like that Which is where the Social media bit comes in So for me Social media is about that It's really about connecting With you know That kind of Level of passion And you know Intimacy Which, which is happening currently you know, because of coffee, a little bit of because of music, uh, jazz and stuff like that. But ninety percent is is coffee. So you know, I think you know you have said one amazing thing, and I would say if there's one thing I have to distill from my conversation with you, is your quest is to find people who get it. Mm. I think that's really what you are trying to do. Personal quest. Your personal quest, sure. because when you are passionate about it, the most important thing you want to do it is share, share it oh, with someone. Oh, absolutely. But if the mm. other person doesn't get it, I mean, yeah. what are you going to share that which bulletproof or which chocolate people will think, why are you, know, when there is Cadbury's mm. dairy milk, why would you want to yep. eat this 100% cocoa chocolate? You are born cuckoo is what people will say. But I think yep. that's where the superstar yep. code lies. It's about yep. passion and connection. Yep. And I think, Abhijit, this has been an absolute Amazing conversation I have learned so much I mean I did not know About all these things But what This is not going to end here We are going to continue Our conversation After this And hopefully Get you back on the show With maybe A completely new passion Which you probably Don't even know about So All the best With all your Endeavors And all kinds of exploits And looking forward To having you back On the show Very soon Thanks uh, Vishal And by the way The last submission Actually made things Connect even better for me So thanks for that Which is this whole thing Of passion is one But sharing the passion Is probably the bigger With high With people who yeah, get yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get With it. people I get who the get point. it Not just sharing yeah, the yeah, passion yeah, So I yeah. think yeah. After this conversation I have been able to get it <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff Anyway Thanks so much yeah, For your thanks time a lot. Well, Thanks yeah. a lot Abhishek. Okay thanks Thanks everyone He bends down to test the warm water for his bath. He comes here to quench his thirst for a hot shower and some podcasts. You can witness how he enjoys having other people talk about cool stuff in his bathroom. Indeed, it helps him with his loneliness.
You can find more of his pieces on ivmpodcast.com, your one-stop destination where you can check out the coolest Indian podcasts. Happy listening.